Hey everyone, I'm Mark Toriello. I'm Jan Wilson. And I'm Mark Bluestein. We're the hosts of Bizarre Buffet Podcast, and we'd like you to think of us as your new ghoulish best friends. You know, the kind who would share uncomfortable stories at your dad's retirement party. What other Mark is trying to say is, Bizarre Buffet is simply a bizarre podcast. A podcast of all-you-can-eat weird. Take a journey with us every Tuesday as we explore all things macabre. Unusual. As well as the extraordinary aspects of people in life. Have you ever wanted to ask a mortician some strange questions about dead people, but couldn't because you were at a funeral? We've got you covered. Or how about something more whimsical, such as a haunted doll collector who was unknowingly using the hair of a dead person to make a doll. Bizarre Buffet is streaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to podcasts from. Or if you fancy yourself more of a voyeur, you can watch us on YouTube. We'll see you soon. My neck hurts. What's wrong? I don't know. I think my ibuprofen wore off because it hurt this morning. <laughs> that was the old lady thing to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an old lady. <laughs> All right. I'm starting. I'm Carmen. Yeah. And I'm Joanna. And welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder. Murder. Welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder, where we tell stories that may or may not be true. Today, I will tell you a story, and it'll either be the plot of a horror movie or the facts of what, Joanna? Of a true crime. That's something that really happened. Exactly. Today's episode will contain sensitive topics per usual, but I feel it is important to mention anyway. Yeah. With that being said, we are true crime sometimes, and I'm trying to get better about the whole, like, trigger warning thing because I'm really bad about it. If it's animal cruelty, no, I'm sorry. I you cannot get me to you not you cannot pay me a million dollars to listen to something like that. I know. There is a part today that I'm gonna discuss, but I will give you Joanna a heads up so you know that it's coming. So I could take um, my headphones off. <laughs> well yeah, but it's just scary what the story I want to tell you today. So I told you about it a couple weeks ago. I don't know if you remember and I said I was doing a story for something that was kind of freaked me out and was just really scary. So that's today. Yay. <laughs> it's not about kids because the last time, you, gosh, every other word out of your mouth was a cuss word. I know. Goodness. I know. It happens. It's it okay. Does. But we got a cuss word out of you on the last episode. I Because you made me mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, if you listen to our last episode, you'll notice that about 15 minutes in, the sound quality on Joanna's end changes. And that's because we're recording remotely now, which we mentioned recently, maybe last month. And we're working out the kinks still. Yes. But I think we got it. We got it figured out. We we got this. So thank you just for hanging out with us and listening and sticking with us. We appreciate it. Thank you. And my voice hopefully will be better. I'm supposed to be getting sinus surgery. How did we go from A to Z? Why do you need sinus surgery? You haven't filled me in fully. So they did a CT of my my nasal area. 20 seconds, $257. Thank oh, you, insurance. my gosh. Yeah. And I closed my eyes and like looked down. But the scan, oh my gosh, the one side was empty and the other side looked like it was shoved with cotton balls. No wonder you've been so miserable. 
like I don't feel bad right now, but I know like my voice, this is not my normal voice. Are you puffy when you touch your cheeks? No. And that's what I'm like. I'll be fully honest. I don't know how sinuses work. (laughs) 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 Like, why are they right here on your cheeks? Because your nose is there in the middle of your cheeks. Yes, but then why does, so there's there's an exit here and an exit here. But then it goes to your ears as well. It's connected. But I know, I I don't know. The guy put that camera down my nose, felt down in my throat, all the way down to here. You know how long that is? Two feet? They spray stuff in your nose Ooh. and it drips down your throat to numb you. Mm. And then as he's like slowly pulling it out, I'm like, <sighs> he's like, you did much better the first time. I said, yeah, because I didn't know what to expect. Did you gag? No. Because you can't feel – you can feel something, but you can't, like, feel it because it's numbed. It must be like when they put in a catheter. I've had that done before, and you don't really feel much. Well, when you're pre- when you have, when you give birth, they put a yeah. catheter in. It's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. But don't they put, like, a numbing spray on you when they do a catheter? Don't remember. Like a little hairspray action, but it numbs <laughs> you? So <laughs> catheter and nasal camera, same thing. Same, same. Much different experiences, though, I, I just assume. Yeah. And it's down your throat, and he's like, say E, and you're like, <laughs> 10 out of 10 would not recommend. <laughs> just suffer. Suffer in silence. Oh, gosh. Well, other than that, we – I don't even know how to transition from that, how to segue. I don't know. How are you otherwise? I have some, I have some news for you, not good news. We're listing the house next weekend. So you're moving. We're moving to be closer to family. Yeah. I knew about this, but I didn't know it was next weekend, you ho. We we didn't know either because we were dealing with insurance from the whole freaking hurricane eight months later, which by the way, when this episode will come out, but while we're recording, hurricane season started two days ago. I know. I know. And our new roof still hasn't even been put on yet. <laughs> Whoopsie. Get, hopefully you get it done soon. Yeah. Or just like double duty on insurance. They'll be like, we gave you money for this already. Why isn't it done? Well, because there's a shortage on fucking roofers. After Literally all. everything. Well. But how are you doing? I'm depressed because my best friend is moving two hours oh. away. Hour and, and 45 minutes. Her name rhymes with Shmoanna. <laughs> Hoanna. Uh, Hoanna. But it's okay. Well, we still have, you know, FaceTime. Well, <laughs> and, and cars. Well, yeah. And we could, yes, weekends. This is not goodbye. It's see you later or see you soon, yeah. whatever that stupid saying is. I know. It's just going to make our time together more silly. Yes, because we text all the time. Well, yeah. No, I'm okay. I'm good. We're just gearing up for summer. When this comes out, it'll be full-on summer break with the kids mm-hmm. and all that fun stuff. Yes. Lots of beach days coming up. Mm-hmm. And trips to visit me. Yeah, actually. Or halfway. My nose looks funny. You know, grew from Despicable Me. You know, speaking of your nose, you saying you're getting sinus surgery, is that code for a nose job? <laughs> no. Could you imagine? Let me see your profile. No. <laughs> Turns out. All right. You don't need one. You're fine. It's fine. Your nostrils are a little big. I'm just kidding. Because I'm flaring them right <laughs> <I know>. now. 
Oh, gosh. Well, uh, speaking of moving and where we live and triangulating our location. Yep. Sorry, Ralph. Ralph. We live in the state of Florida. And Joanna has a little segment she does called Florida Man before I, uh, you know, a little upper before I give you a downer, if you will. So, Joanna, yeah, you seemed excited about this one. Um, So Natalie texted me this and I was like, I was reading the story and I was like, wait a second, that name sounds very familiar. So I searched up the person on Facebook and confirmed that it is, is indeed a person you and I both know. So I'm going to admit the name. Okay. Okay. I'm very. Right, I'm not tickled. going to say the location, just so we make our little. What would you say? You're triangulated bigger, <laughs> so you won't know where in Lee County or Collier County or, or all the counties. <laughs> Henderson? No, that's not a county. That's What's the it. one that starts with an H? Hendricks? No. No, it's the one. Henry? No. <laughs> Henry County? No. <laughs> Hendry. Hendry, good. Oh, a God. family had some unexpected company for dinner on Thursday night. This was this Thursday night. We're recording this at in the beginning of June, so okay. So the family was sitting down for supper when all of a sudden a random man came barging in the front door. You know, he only had on a bathing suit, no shoes, and nothing else, said Brian. He was at the table with his two teenage daughters when they heard what they thought was a knocking on the door. As they walked out of the area we were eating or where we were eating dinner at, there was an individual in the living room or front door area proceeding to advance into my house, he said. He was in. He was in the house. Surprised at what he was seeing, Brian said the encounter became even stranger once the man opened his mouth. He started to tell me that he was a ghost. What? And I shouldn't be able to see him. What? And was sh- yeah. And he was shocked that I could see him. What? <laughs> he thought he was walking around and that nobody could see him. Brian, barely able to believe what he was seeing, tried to get the man back out the front door he came through. I could tell his behavior was not normal, Brian said. Who knows what this person might do if they had a chance to think. After causing the scene inside, this guy who claims his name is Kevin, Natalie's husband. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding, Natalie. (laughs) Natalie's the one that sent me this. So uh, Natalie's husband, Kevin, is the one in the swimsuit claiming to be a ghost. Yep. Yeah. Came running outside to wear a crew was cutting down a tree. He hopped up in one of their trucks and locked himself inside. He said he doesn't have a home and he's going to make their truck his home, said Brian. Yeah. At this point, the man barged inside a home, thinks he's a ghost, and is now barricaded inside of a truck belonging to the tree trimmers. Brian said, I think it's all wild. It took some coaxing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. But the tree trimmers were able to get the man out of the truck where he ran away, still wearing nothing but his bathing suit. He was definitely something. Brian called the county's sheriff's office and filed a report. He now wants deputies to find the man, but not press charges. Hopefully, we can find the individual and get him the help he needs. What? Was the man ever caught? Mm Mm-mm. He just walked in the house? There's the video. They have security cameras outside, and it just turns the knob. No, like, forced entry. Why are people so weird? 
My door is locked all the time. Well, I mean, you know, then that deeps into your fear of someone just going up and opening your front door, just testing out front doors. But this man is claiming, he's like, I thought I didn't think you could see me because I'm a ghost. (laughs) Poor Poor guy. I don't know how I would would have reacted. And you're sitting there with your two daughters. Hello? And then he was just like, you can see me? (laughs) 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 Like, what kind of drug are you on? It's called meth. That's probably Mm -hmm. what it is. Let's get into my story. I'm ready. So I'm just going to dive right in. And I'm going to tell you about someone named Michelle. Oh, I know a lot. I know two Michelles. It's neither of them. Good. Michelle is a young single mom living with her little boy and mother. She is currently in search of a job so she can get her own place for her and her young son, Joey. Being that she had her baby in high school, she wasn't able to graduate, which makes it more difficult for her Mm -hmm. to find a job. Her and her mother's relationship is very strained for many reasons, and Michelle just wants out. She wants a home for her and her son. Things really fall apart for Michelle when she gets home one day after her mother was babysitting to find her son playing with a liquor bottle on the floor (gasps) and a dude, a grown man near him, passed out on the couch. Apparently, her mom left Joey with a random man to go out. Go ahead. How old is Joey? Like two years old, three years old. Very young, yeah. Very young. When Michelle gets home and sees this, there's an altercation. The man, I'll call him, pushes Joey down, which leads to Michelle having to take him to the hospital, social services getting involved, and Joey getting removed from the home. It wasn't her fault. I know. It's but not her fault. But that's her place of residency. And he got hurt, very hurt. Um, and social services has to ask questions whenever yeah. a child is hurt. After this incident, Michelle gets the fuck out of her mother's house moves in with her cousin, she gets a job, and is steps away from getting Joey back. On the day that Michelle has court for Joey, her mom is supposed to give her a ride to the courthouse, but bails on her. So she has to walk. This is in the early 2000s, so smartphones with GPS weren't even a thing, and of course, she gets lost. So what did we all do at that time when we got lost? Put your thumb out. No. That was in the 70s. <laughs> I hitchhiked once. <laughs> yeah. In Gainesville. It was no big deal. I know. We mentioned this on the show. I know. Because I got in a car with Ray J. <laughs> I you about that. <laughs> he <did. laughs> Yours, your, your story is way cooler than mine. I was just well, a bunch got, of college kids. Well, I was in college too. But he got no, really mad at me because I didn't know who he was. No, I was in my tw- late 20s and these college kids picked us up and we were in the tailgate. Oh. Did you really do like the thumb out? Yeah, thing? I totally put my thumb out and everything. Because we were carrying bags of ice. I'm like, I'm not walking this whole way. I'm putting my thumb out jokingly. You, they, mm-hmm. Seconds. Did you put your leg out too? Well, I showed my boobs. Shut, shut up. You did not. I would never believe that in a million years. I'm going to imagine that's true because it's funny, but I know it's not true. Well, when we all got lost, we would stop in a store and ask directions. Mm-hmm. You know, like a gas station or like a pharmacy. So. This is what Michelle does. She's lost. She's trying to walk to the courthouse. So this is when she runs into her friend Emily's dad in the store that she stopped in for directions. Uh She asks how far the courthouse is, and he offers her a ride that he says will take 10 minutes instead of her walking what would probably take like 45 minutes if she were to walk. 
When Michelle gets in his truck, he tells her that he has a litter of puppies at home that she totally has to check out because he knows – because he knows Joey would love it. Even though she's nervous about being late to court, he promises that it'll only take a few minutes and she'll still get to the courthouse early. So she says, fine. And she goes to the house to see the puppies. And never returns. Mm. I feel like listening to you telling me these stories, you've like, mm. can predict what's going to happen next. Oh, they it's always like a, you know, it's something's going to happen. What would get you, you know? in a van? Mine would be naps and wine. <laughs> okay. Free wine and naps. So like a cushy limo. <laughs> now you have me thinking about it. Oh, mine would be like Swedish fish candies and vodka sodas. Okay, go. Well, the first thing Michelle notices is the dirty-ass, trash-filled backyard. Trash everywhere, broken furniture laying around, and a German shepherd chained up in the back of the house. Mm. She asks, because she's she's smart, and she says, where are the puppies? Because we all know that when a dog gives birth, she does not leave their puppy's side. He says they're inside the house and quickly brings her in his dirty-ass house. Up the stairs, past a family photo of her friend Emily on the wall. This is her friend's dad. And into the bedroom. This is when he shuts the door, grabs her, throws her on the floor, and uses an extension cord to hogtie her by her hands and feet behind her back and up around her neck. Oh, no. Yeah. It went real south real fast. Real quick. Holy crap. Yeah. So this is a tough one. This is a scary one. So FYI. I'm already uncomfortable. This is why I wanted to record in the morning. I should have just been honest with you and said, it's scary. I don't want to go to bed after. But here we are. Ariel, which is Emily's dad's name, says she'll only be here for a little while and he'll let her go soon. You know, after he's fucking tied her up. All while she cries and squirms to be let out so she can go get her son. Gosh, I could not imagine. (sighs) She's thinking her son's going to think like, Mm -hmm. like, why isn't mom here? You know what I mean? Or, you know, she abandoned him. She didn't, but I think in her mind, she's thinking that. Like, that's her fear. He then hooks the extension cord that he has hogtied around her to a rope and pulley system that he installed in the bedroom to the ceiling and strings her up off the ground to hang. And he leaves. I don't like this. She's left hanging there, Joanna, for days. How'd she not like pass out? Well, die. I know. Her belly and face are facing the ground and her hands and feet are behind her hanging. She's crying. She's urinating. She's hanging there. Since it's a bedroom, she can see out the window while hanging. People walking by, cars driving by, and she can't do anything about it. She's also gagged. I might, I forgot to say. So she can't yell and scream. Finally, when Ariel comes, he unties Michelle, brings her food, and since her body is exhausted when he lets her down, she can't even walk or eat. Well, because all that blood. Circulate like, yep, Ugh. yep. So he drags her limp body down into the basement, where he rapes her on a dirty mattress. I'm sorry, Joanna. I know it's a lot. 
While Michelle's mother is calling the cops, the cops believe she may have taken off and left town, despite her mom's protest that she would never leave Joey. Mm-hmm. Ariel chains Michelle up in the basement, gags her with a rag, and places a motorcycle helmet on her head, keeping her quiet and instilling fear, reminding her that he's all she's got from now on, and not one person is looking for her. He tells her, everyone thought you ran away. Nobody's looking for you. Because it's made the news at this point, right? And he's trying, yeah, and he's trying to basically freak her out and tell her no one cares. Ariel goes on to live his life upstairs while she's in the basement. He has his band over to practice in the living room because he plays Spanish music with a like a local band. His mother brings him food, all while Michelle is downstairs. Ariel will go to the basement to rape her, cuddle her, cry to her about his pains, his sorrows, beat her, and then apologize for hurting her. Michelle tries to convince him repeatedly, let me go. She consoles him and she tries to manipulate him, saying things like, I won't tell anyone, I promise. Mm -hmm. Instead of letting her go, he then decides to carry her to an upstairs bedroom, boards up the windows, and locks her there. Hold on, oh my Frankie God. wants to come in. Let Frankie in, please. We need Frankie right now. We do. Okay. Months go by at this point. She now lives in the upstairs bedroom on a mattress with no blankets, no pillows, and a metal chain tied around her body completely fucking naked. Oh, Which ew. just, right? It just adds mm. to it. It's just, <sighs> for Christmas, Ariel brings Michelle a gift. It's a television a TV she can watch while she's in the room all day long alone. To him, he's doing something good for her, so she should be thankful. Right? Fucking Mm. idiot. To fill her time while chained up, Michelle watches TV. She writes with the notebook and pen she's allowed to have. She writes poems and songs. Ariel finds out about this and loves it because, like I said, he's in a band himself and thinks that they can play music together. Until he finds out that her poem, one of her recent poems, she has titled Concrete. Well, read it to me. What is con? What is your poem about? You know, maybe we could turn this into like a thing. He grabs his guitar. He's excited. Well, she reveals to him that the poem is about him. He is concrete because he's her concrete prison. Mm. He gets pissed and he does not like that. Michelle is gagged so frequently that even when Ariel's daughter, Emily, her actual friend, and other family members come over to visit... She can hear er or Emily downstairs. Michelle bangs the headboards on the wall, just trying to make any noise. But Ariel downstairs with his family during these times will just play loud music, open beers, have backyard like parties, and doesn't let anyone upstairs ever. Oh, yeah, because he'd be found out. Yep. Eventually, Michelle is allowed a small amount of clothes, a toothbrush, and a bucket. Which is just disgusting. And she's chained around the ankle and waist. So she can get up and walk only a few feet around the room. Later, when the snow is melting and spring is arriving, Ariel, who is a school fucking bus driver for children, mind you. Shut up. Yep. Brings Michelle another gift. And I really wish I hadn't put this in, but it's a puppy. So in the beginning... You can only imagine the joy that she feels about this. This puppy is her only sense of joy in the world. She plays with it, loves it. It's her her new baby. 
So one morning after raping Michelle before work as a bus driver, Ariel leaves and accidentally leaves the key in the padlock he keeps on the chain around her body. Like he left the key in the padlock. Michelle can't believe it. This is it. She grabs her puppy, slinks down the stairs, and right as she's about to leave the house, Ariel was hiding. He grabs her, tells her, you think I'm that much of an idiot? It was a setup, all to show her that no matter what she does, no matter what she thinks, she's never going to be able to escape this house. (sighs) So after he told her, you're never leaving this house, basically, right in front of her, he grabs the puppy and kills it. Right in front of her, ruining her more than anything. So he was basically trying to teach her a lesson that you can't get away from me. Nine months into her captivity. Nine nine months? months, Michelle feels like she's never going to get out until Amanda. Amanda. Ariel brings home another girl. Being that there's a TV in the room, Michelle watches the news and sees that Amanda is 17 and her whole family is out looking for her. Michelle screams and cries while Amanda is being raped and tortured right in front of her. She just in the can't same room? Ha- uh-huh. Initially, yeah. She just can't handle this, him doing this to more girls. Just when you think things can't get worse, Ariel realizes Michelle has gotten pregnant. Her stomach is growing and he screams at her about how can you only get fat in one spot? <clears throat> So I'm just going to say it on what happens next. I'm just going to go through it. We're already here. So he grabs a dumbbell and hits her in the stomach with it. Oh, I mean, oh, gosh. So many emotions right now because it's like, what do you say? Like you had the baby, like, oh, your your daddy is a rapist and who mm-hmm. kidnapped me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> exactly. This absolutely fucking destroys Michelle. The physical pain, the emotional pain, it's just, I don't. I know how you go on. Now, I don't know if Ariel feels bad for Michelle after this or what, but he decides that she gets to go outside. Oh. First time and I don't know how fucking long. He puts a long blonde wig on her with sunglasses and takes her to the backyard, still chained up by the ankle, mind you. Ariel has her help him saw wood for a project, and she tries so hard to communicate with the elderly neighbor next door. Thinking this is it, this is it, this is it. This is her chance. You know, there's a man, an elderly man in his backyard kind of glancing at us. She quickly realizes it is not. Even though she hears cops outside, it's all for nothing because they're responding to another neighbor's house. (sighs) Every time she thinks she's going to get out, it just falls apart. Just another instance where no one is coming to save her. Help is literally right there. Yeah. And you... You know it's right there, and there's nothing you can do. It's just it must feel like drowning, you know. There's a life raft right there, and you just can't reach it. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Michelle tries to take her own life after this with a small piece of plastic, but she can't bring herself to actually do it because all she thinks about is her son, hoping and praying that one day she'll get back to Joey. This Ugh. whole time, and where's this the other whole girl, t- Amanda? Where's Amanda? The whole time, the new girl Amanda is being kept in another room. Michelle tries and tries to communicate with her, but Amanda is so traumatized that she doesn't even, she can't even really physically like bring herself to respond. Mm -hmm. And then another girl goes missing. A third girl, a middle school girl named Gina. What? 
what's scary is that he's since he's a bus driver, he has access to kids. Yep. Like you were. Li- have a great day. Have fun at school. And then he goes home and rapes now three girls. And it's scary that he has a teenage daughter. Well, now like young twenty something daughter. Like, How old was Michelle, Michelle when he took her? Yeah, she had had Joey in high school. So twenty. What do you probably think? Twenty. Maybe twenty one. Yeah. Ariel tells Michelle, "Quote: I brought you home company." End quote. And now there are three. Michelle uses this opportunity to try and be there for Gina and Amanda. She encourages them to stay alive for their families. She's kind of like the mother hen in this situation. She reminds them, I know, right? Like been there the longest. Right. She reminds them that they will get out one day. And then a quote from Michelle. We can get really strong and get out of here together. End quote. Michelle really Michelle reminds the girls that they aren't alone, that God is here with them and consoles Gina as she cries, I just want my mom. Nope. Nope. Don't like nope. that. I don't like that at all. I don't well, know This why. is the middle schooler? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I'm doing this. I feel like I'm torturing us. I don't like it. Yeah. Oh, I mean, because obviously, like, I mean, it happens and you don't ever want it to happen to your kid. I mean, I don't know these kids. I don't know if it's true or not, but like nobody deserves that. Nope. All the while, this is the real fucking crazy thing. Ariel is friends with Gina's parents. Shut up. He took his friend's daughter. And so this is why we're never letting our girls sleep over anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. People judge me because I don't do sleepovers with my children. I don't know. I just, there's too much going on. I would trust. My daughter, you know, our group of friends. That would be it. You know both parents well for a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know any other scenario where I'd be comfortable. Mm-mm. Another year goes by. Ariel shows the girls TV footage of Gina's candlelight vigil to bring awareness to her being gone for a year. So a year after Gina's been there. So how long has Michelle been there? On the TV footage on the news. Ariel points out her crying mother to her and points out him, Ariel, on the news consoling her mother right there. No, he did not. He was there at the vigil. (gasps) That's ballsy. Mm -hmm. He was friends with her parents. More time goes by. Each year, Michelle posts a handwritten paper on the wall for Joey's birthdays. A four, a five, a six, a seven. Years. Years. So we're now four plus years into this. Time just goes on with these girls chained up. Michelle and Gina together and Amanda continued is continuing to be kept mostly separate. Ariel likes to think in his delusional fucked up mind that they are like a little family. Him and these girls, these women. He eventually unchains them so they can have meals together, using Mm -hmm. one of these moments to announce to the group that Amanda is pregnant. Amanda's the favorite. mm -hmm. With a gun to her head, Michelle is tasked to deliver Amanda's baby. A literal gun to her head. A literal gun to her head. Oh, gosh. So Ariel blares music in the bedroom to drown out Amanda's screaming from labor so the neighbors don't hear 
as he put as she pushes through labor in a plastic blue bathtub. Like those ones you get from Dollar General for a little kids. Well, you said blue, so the pool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, the bath. A plastic bathtub. Oh, sorry. In a plastic blue swimming pool. Okay. A kiddie pool. Is that the word? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a kiddie pool. And she delivers a baby girl, Jocelyn. I mean, do they get medical attention? There's no medical attention. With Joey now being 14 years old. Shut up. Michelle still locked up. Gina still locked up. Amanda living as mommy to Jocelyn while she sees the other women as her aunties. Wait, how old is Amanda? Did you say? Amanda was 17, I think I said. Was when she was abducted. So yeah, so Gina and Michelle are aunties to Jocelyn. Ariel Ariel dotes on his baby girl, calls her his princess, records her on his camcorder, documents her life, loves her, and she's literally being raised in hell and doesn't even know it, this little girl. The women eventually are now allowed, as Jocelyn has grown up a little bit, to roam the house. They have meals and celebrations together. They hang out. They watch TV. And they raise Jocelyn together as like a family. But meanwhile, the rapes still continue, the abuse, the beatings, the threats, it never stops. And he plays tricks on them multiple consistently, like he did on Michelle that I mentioned, mm-hmm. where he makes them think that they can get away just to test them and to prove that they can never get away. It's all tricks. So he'll pretend to leave a door unlocked or a window open. Mm-mm. He's there. He's there. So, don't you think they'd fall for it? I mean, like, or like catch on? They do. Yeah, no, they do. So they are in such, he's in such control of them at this point that they don't even try anymore to mm. escape because they know that they can't. Ariel does worry about Jocelyn growing up in this like fucked up environment, worrying that it's going to fuck her up. But what is he going to do? What does he do about it? Nothing. He just lets it keep going. At this point, every window and door has boards and locks on them inside the house. And nobody has said anything. Nobody knows. But if he's going in and out of the house, I don't know. I mean, you never know. You never, I, I think I have, I have a theory about like there's at least one person on your neighborhood, on your street, that is like probably has somebody in their house against the Oh, my God. So who's the person on my street, Becky? <laughs> so she has somebody against her will in her house. I mean, the only person on my street is Becky, neighbor um, Becky. So well, that maybe she like count. It, Becky, who you got hiding in there, girl? Nobody. Somebody. Who? You? Is that <laughs> this is this is her house. You're that the last episode you said you felt like you or whatever. That your background for our online recording, you feel like you look like you're in a prison. Are you locked mm. up in Becky's Yeah, she house? didn't like that I said that. <laughs> you're triangulating her data. Stop. All right. Um, okay. So Ariel's worried about Jocelyn. But when Ariel leaves to go visit with his mother one day, it's little Jocelyn who tells her mother, Amanda, Daddy left the front door unlocked. And at this point, Jocelyn's old enough to speak and stuff. Wait, th- that's insane. So she's she. Oh my gosh! I mean, what? what? Mm-hmm. No, she's like now, like four or five years old. But she's never been to a doctor then. Mm-mm. Amanda double and triple checks that his car is gone because there is a part in the house where they can like peek and see the 
the street in the front of the house, like a little secret, like peeking hole. Mm -hmm. His car's not there. And Amanda uses this as her opportunity to fucking go for it. Yes, do it. Now the screen door is still locked, but it's like not like a screen door. It's like one of those like storm doors, like a plexiglass, you know, that they have up north. Yeah. I guess it, yeah, like a storm door. And Amanda starts screaming for help. She finds a tiny opening through the plexiglass, fits her arm through it, and just starts yelling. A neighbor sees and hears her and fucking like guns it, runs over to her house. And Amanda yells, I'm Amanda Berry. I've been missing for 10 years. I just got How do they know it's been 10 years? They have TV. Oh, okay. The neighbor replies, you can't be Amanda. Amanda's been dead. But she sure as fuck is Amanda. Other neighbors in this experience, this situation, start running over. And together, they work together and kick the door in. They manage to pull Amanda like kind of out through the little like, what is it, like a rectangular small size. Pull her through. They manage to pull Jocelyn through. They call the cops, and the cops are on their fucking way, but where's Gina and Michelle? They're still upstairs. They're locked up in their room, as they always are, listening to music, like just hanging out. What? That's because that's what they do when they hear men downstairs yelling, where are the cops? Where are the cops? Michelle tells Gina, it's probably him trying to trick us again. No. And they, and they hide in the room. So they hide and Amanda, or I'm sorry, Michelle tells Gina to be quiet. But suddenly the police searching the house barge into the room, find them hiding. And with their jaws to the floor, because they are shocked at what they see, these cops in front of them, these two girls, these two women, they get rescued. Gina, who had been missing for nine years, Amanda for 10 years, and Michelle for 11 years. What happens to Ariel next? I'll tell you after you tell me. Is this the plot of a horror movie or the facts of a true crime case? I'm, oh gosh. The fact that that somebody would, like, he knew two of the girl's parents, or she was friends with, the the daughter was friends with Mm -hmm. Michelle. Mm -hmm. So he knew her. And then who was the other one that? He knew the parents of? Gina. He was friends with Gina's parents. Gosh. True crime. Okay. Well, it's both. What do you mean both? <laughs> so if I would have said movie, it would have said both. I'm going to say, well, it's both. Shut- okay. Elaborate. It's something I haven't done before on our show. This is a movie based on a true story. A very real story a very tragic, painful, and horrific thing that happened. 11 years. Yeah. For, yeah, for Michelle. Basically, everything I just told you is from the movie version. So there are differences. I, um, okay, but be aware that the movie is pretty fucking spot on to the real events. It's incredibly graphic and very disturbing. It was hard to watch for me at many points. And I think probably because I knew that it was real. 
based on a real story. Even so, it was very the part the scene with him harnessing her to the seal like the ceiling and then with him having her chained up naked in the bedroom like that in a dirty mattress. It was just it was it was a lot. It was a lot. So what's wrong with people? I don't know. That should be the name of our fucking show. What is wrong with people? That that there we go. We keep on coming up with the title of our stories or the <laughs> So what was the name of the movie? It's the 2015 movie called Cleveland Abduction because that's Cle- where it came. Ohio? Yeah. <sighs> written by one of the victims, co-written Michelle Knight. She wrote it? The movie? Yeah. She helped, yeah. Along with Stephen Tolkien, Michelle was abducted in 2002, the year I graduated high school, in Cleveland and the rest followed. The other women in this story are Amanda Berry and Gina DeJesus. There are many other podcasts out there that have covered this case and do a much better job than I could ever dream of. There's a lot of information on everything that went on. So there's books. There's so much. I'm only giving you a shortened version to spread awareness of monsters like this in the world. It seems so counterproductive to say like like you kind of mentioned before about who would you get in a van with, but don't take rides with strangers. And it's so counterproductive because hello, Uber. Hello, Lyft. <laughs> well, that, that Uber driver, remember the one local that girl got out and he chased her down. Uh, yeah. But my point is with those things, whether you're taking a ride with someone or an Uber or whatever, if you feel uncomfortable in a situation, just just get out. Get out. Don't worry about being nice. Get out. Yeah. But I mean, like, think about like one of our daughters, like, let's say like our friend's husband's like, hey, get in. A, come on. I'll take you there. I can't imagine. Like, okay. Like, I would expect my daughter to think nothing less if Brett was like, I, I got you. Of course. Yep. Like, so, I mean, I don't want to fault her for doing that. Yeah. I know. You can't fault her. She did nothing wrong. No, so no, okay, all I, three I, of them. I have to know. Please tell me about the son, Joey. So I'm going to tell you a lot. Okay, right now. <laughs> okay, kind of. Um, okay, but if you're uncomfortable, this kind of goes along with the episode we did too. The twofer when the they rented the Airbnb. Mm-hmm. If you're uncomfortable, get out. So I can't say it better than the podcast Crime Junkie, and they say as kind of one of their things. Be weird, be rude, stay alive. And they say <laughs> like that a that. lot. Isn't it right? I it's like that. Yeah. Don't don't worry. Be weird. Be rude. Stay alive. That's kind of one of their taglines. And it's true. Because a lot of us are afraid to be rude to hurt someone's mm-hmm. feelings. But if you really look at a situation like on the from the outside in, they're the fucking ones being weird because they're making you uncomfortable. Yeah. There's no excuse. There's no reason for it. Ugh, but I mean, if if I, I I will be honest, in my 20s, if somebody, mm. if, if one of my friend's dad was like, we just had puppies. And if I, but yeah. the thing is though, if my best friend or my friend at the time was like, oh, my dog's having babies, then that wouldn't be so weird. But you would have already known about it. Yes. But mm. if you didn't tell me your dog was having babies, yeah, then that would be the first red flag. Yeah. Yep. That, and that's why I like Crime Junkie's phrase because- don't ignore the red flags. If you feel it, just go. Come up with an excuse. We all have phones now with GPS and emergency protocols on mm-hmm. them. There's a thing where you can press your wa- your 
Apple Watch, like I don't know how many times it is, and it calls 911. There's scrunchies and necklaces now that they sell online that have hidden emergency buttons in them. Necklaces. Yeah, you said necklaces? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, There's air tags you can put in your wallet or wear as an armband. There's so much out there, and I hope that we can keep ourselves safe. And these 20-year-olds, though, Joanna, they're a lot smarter than we were. Yes. Oh, well, because we had no cell phones. We had nothing. They are wise to the time. They know what's up. They are – they're built different. We'd be like, peace, we're going to our friend's house. They didn't know. Yeah, but the 20-year-olds now, they'll say, peace, we're going to our friends. Meanwhile, their friends are tracking their location. They know exactly where they are. Parents are tracking their location. Not even. I don't mean even their parents. I mean their friend. Like they have. Yeah. Like when I was single, I had you know, and I was dating. I would send my location so my friends knew where I was. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that when I was young, but these young people nowadays, they're they're built different. Yeah, they're smart. All right. There's a lot more horrific events that occurred in real life that weren't in the movie. I'll share a few things with you, but I'm going to spare you a lot. Thank you. Because it's just, you've heard enough. It's very disturbing. And I'm going to tell you some, but not all, because it's just, it's too much even for me. But Joanna, this is where I'm going to stop for part one. Shut up. Well, it's been an hour, my love. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Can you at least tell me, is Ariel spending life in jail? Or does he have a probe shoved up his butt taped? A probe and that has spikes on it that, you know, anytime someone claps two times, it... It just what? grows wider. It grows wider and explodes his asshole. You would <sighs> hope. In part two, I will go through the real-life events that the movie did not include, along with where are the women now, today. Where they are now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to so, just Google it and look it up. Just kidding. You know I won't. I know. So tune in to our next episode in two weeks as we are a bi-weekly podcast. Joanna, I'm sorry to have to stop you here, but I think we've had enough for today. I'm tapped. There's two questions that I need answered, and I guess I'm going to have to wait. You're going to have to wait like everyone else. I'm so sorry. Well, 16 was your cuss count. Really? Much lower than the pusher's remorse. I was almost 70. And I did end up having to cut some out because we went on a lot of tangents. Mm-hmm. And I do try to I try to reduce the pointless tangents as much as I can, but editing is a bitch. Mm, we need Amy to learn how to edit and then she can take that part over. Okay. All right. Well, sorry to make you wait two weeks. No, you're not. No, you're not. Will you come back? Yes. Not you. Oh, of course I'll come back. Don't leave me. I love you. Well, (laughs) thanks for checking us out. And remember to live, laugh, and never be a disgusting, abducting piece of shit. Name Ariel. Mm, It just ruins the name.